On tonight's episode, United take four points from Spurs and Chelsea. Chelsea draw a couple as if they were an artist on a beach. Newcastle sliding into the top four. Are Spurs running out of steam? This and much more in the Talkie Talker podcast. Hello and welcome everyone. In the background, you can hear the firecrackers of Diwali. So, wishing all our listeners a belated Happy Diwali. And uh, to begin with, uh, our XG specialist, XG expert, RK, what's your talkie point of the episode? Hey Swag, Happy Diwali everyone. Uh, my talkie moment of the week was uh, actually outside of football. Uh, King Kohli's uh, magical innings, but coming to football, Casemiro's uh, last-minute uh, equalizer was a pretty reporting moment. That's my talking moment of the week. Yeah, from the highs of King Kohli to the lows of Casemiro. I mean, what can we say? Ab, can you take away that horrid memory, please? Sure. Um, I'm going to pivot from Chelsea to Fulham. And um, my man Mitrovic... He scored a penalty last weekend, scored a beautiful header from a corner this weekend. Uh, but my talkie moment or moments, I'm going to say, is the re-emergence and resurgence of Willian in the Premier League. He's, I thought he would just be a bit part player for Fulham. He's actually starting, he looks good, fit enough for 70 minutes and he's playing really well. Yeah, goes to show what owning a restaurant in London can do for your career. And finally, Radha. What's it going to be for you? Well, of course, after a week like this, I'd have to talk about Liverpool because they were so outstanding this week. Um, yeah, I'm still. I'm, I'm, my talkie point is actually from the city of Liverpool, but not Liverpool FC. Um, mine is the second goal that Everton scored. Um, it's one of the best goals that I've seen. Uh, probably the goal of the season, uh, I would say. Um, it started off with Pickford and the centre-backs playing out the press and I think over 20 seconds, 10 people got touches on the ball and nobody took more than two touches and it ended up with like a tap-in for Gordon. It was just one of the best yeah, goals that we've seen this I mean, season. still continuing to defy expectations. At least the expectations we had at the start of the season. For me, it would be um, the sustained recovery that Leicester seemed to be showing. Maybe Rogers is pulling it back from the brink. Uh, it's still early days, but at least they're out of the bottom three right now. And uh, if that continues, I think it would be a remarkable recovery if he's able to finally actually pull it off. To begin with, uh, let's talk about uh, Manchester United, who were definitely the team of the last week, considering they had games against Spurs and Chelsea and managed to come away with four points. RK, happy with that? Yeah, uh, really happy with the performances. Uh, over the last season, if we compare the results, four points is what we took from these two fixtures as well. But what is meaningful is uh, the kind of performances that we put uh, into those two games. Uh, uh, against Spurs, we we employed a very high press probably for the first time this season uh, with our uh, wingers were pressing their centre-backs, uh, the full-backs were on the full-backs. Uh, Casemiro was playing, uh, was having a license as a free kind of a presser when he was cleaning up second balls uh, and stuff. Whereas the other people were more of a man-to-man, uh, you know, man-marking shape. Uh, so that was uh, the most uh, effective thing that came out of the two performances: the way that we pressed, uh, the way that we were able to recover the ball. Uh, so 
quite happy with the performances even though points did not uh, from the last season uh, were not 6 points or uh, you know more than last season Chelsea United at Stamford Bridge is just always just become a draw game right now right i think uh, chelsea last beat united in in the premier league before rk corrects me saying that they won in the fa cup but um, chelsea last beat united in the premier league in 2017 so it's despite united going through some pretty bad phases since then somehow they come to sanford bridge and they either eke out a win or a draw right so i think um, uh, that result or rather was not so much of a surprise given the recent uh, this one but yeah, between the two results i think united will be very very happy with the spurs result because prior to that spurs were flying and uh, the performance across the pitch was really really good they absolutely hounded spurs they they did not let them rest on the ball they cut off their passing angles it was a really clinical performance from united that one yeah and the second game i think uh, the one against chelsea i was really intrigued by the tactical battle between the two managers i think two completely different uh, backgrounds but uh, both like i think i would say equally witted in terms of tactical skill and uh, showing that they are uh, they they can adjust to the situation so uh, the fact that um, they started off uh, clearly ten hag got the better of the first half uh, with the three versus two happening in midfield but then with um, with kovacic coming on i think that completely flipped around and they moved uh, mount they moved mount also to play in almost like a midfield and they out started outnumbering 4 4v3 and they picked up little more control in the game in the second half so i found that really good it shows that these are not uh, it's not like the um, andre villas boas and i don't know some of those other managers who just come with one idea and then keep trying it until it fails these are clearly two managers who have an idea but they're also willing to kind of adjust to the situation in game so that was really nice uh, ab i have a question for you though um, they didn't uh, chelsea didn't um, create much they still i think had only 0.1 or 0.15 xg in the first half and uh, i read a stat that um, at the at the other end as well that they have gone 6 xg bef- between the last goal they conceded and casemiro's equalizer which seems like they're running their luck on both ends of the field here what what do you think uh, about potter start? yeah i think potter start has been positive right um, yeah maybe i'll start on the defense first right so everyone has seen how kepa has been doing in the recent uh, few weeks so it's no surprise that we are outperforming to, uh, xg against Uh, uh it's also sadly no surprise that we are underperforming at the front end of the pitch it's just how it been how it's been so we lack certain decision making skills and clinicality i feel that um, while the team is set up to control the game to recycle possession to win the ball back quickly and all of which i think we do fairly well i think uh, the team is not uh, you know this the I think it feels like more of Tuchel, where we control the ball, but we just don't create enough to comfortably beat teams for more away. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I know Sterling and Aubameyang have been brought in to address that, but both of them, um, you know, have underperformed recently. So uh, uh, that's always a worry, right? Uh, without James, we are going to concede more and score. Ab, I think you had a. one of the best descriptions of the game after the game saying that it was a nil nil with extra steps involved but uh, i mean going back to 
us controlling the game but not being able to create much now potters brighton used to create a lot but not finish it we used to we used to create chances control games but not finish anything what's the what's the more worrying thing right now is this potter not being able to do uh, the finishing bit better or is it just the chelsea players is it the tactics or is it the individual players uh like between the two if i had to choose i would choose the players um i feel that they don't uh they're not very adventurous in the game they take safe decisions when it comes to playing a forward pass versus a sideways sideways pass most of them prefer to go sideways uh we have lacked a forward passer for a long time since fabrica's left there's nobody else who can play a, a, like a precise forward pass today right uh, georginio tries and tries but he can't so i would blame the players more um, i think you can tie it back to chelsea also being in the pursuit of franky diong over the summer right it solves problems for us that kind of a player i think all the other forwards would become way more active if he had uh, if he had a player like that but yeah at the more on the players less on the tactics is at this point yeah on the defensive part uh, trevor chaloba had a great game i thought he completely dominated uh, rashford and then whoever with uh, uh, that we uh, you know tried to throw up front so on the xg against part he would be one of the major factors he gave a lot of confidence in the way that he performed i thought so you mentioned rashford um, aki and i think i have asked you this offline as well um given the scenario where of course martial is not playing as much as you would like and uh, cavani having left uh, rashford maybe is being tasked with a little bit more finishing and playing a number 9 kind of role than he would have ideally played and i've felt at least over the last few big games that he does some really good things with the ball but then kind of fizzles out when it becomes a clinical time of the year and it just so happens that there's somebody on uh, united's bench or sometimes not on the bench who's made a career out of that uh, those kinds of moments um, so i wanted to i wanted to get your opinion on the entire ronaldo saga that uh, that overshadowed a lot that's happened this week i was talking a lot about uh, united's resilience of the ball uh, one of the main things that has improved is how we are functioning on the ball so before coming to rashford uh, the progression of the ball out the field uh, has been pretty impressive from united in the last few games and rashford being the focal point uh, currently for united has been a major beneficiary i was also very impressed by rashford's energy both off the ball and on the ball he makes very good runs especially behind the line Uh, which which suits the players behind him the lingering problem with rashford as a number 9 is his finishing he goes for raw power rather than uh, you know going for placement uh, i think it's it's a big part solution uh, you know for united as long as we don't have a number 9 a proper number 9 uh, and that is obviously because of course there is another number 9 who is causing us a lot of problems uh that performance against spurs should have been all about how good we were but he deliberately tried uh, you know and succeeded in making the event about himself ten hag had to face lots and lots of questions on ronaldo uh and uh you know him choosing such a selfish act and self centered act over a team performance i think is inexcusable for me despite all the famous ex players batting up for him uh, almost all of them i think it's inexcusable and anyone who is a united fan 
calling themselves a united supporter shouldn't really be you know supporting ronaldo in this yeah i think this time round uh, i mean when the season started and all this transfer speculation came to light the united fans were more or less divided in terms of should he be allowed to go should he not be allowed to go but i think this time around the sentiment is more firmly on the club's uh, favor i think that's also partially because of the way ten hag's team has been performing so the fans are also thinking that okay even if he is not there we'd be doing okay so we can we can do without him yeah i think over the years ronaldo if not anything else right has always been known as a consummate professional look at how fit he has kept himself uh, he's rarely ever injured um, and uh, so this was the reason why this was so shocking was that this was more like something like a tevez or a keen would do an act of unprofessionalism in the dugout right so i think that's why it was a little shocking uh, that two from such a seasoned player um, anyway staying on the topic of united i also had a question for rk So in the first half against Chelsea I think uh, United dominated I think they had a bunch of corners they took all of them short uh, especially down their left side Chelsea's right side it all came to Sancho and they were trying something on that topic and Sancho was of course subsequently hooked off on 52nd on the 52nd or 53rd minute so where does Sancho lie right now in the um, uh, as far as how United fans view him and where do you think his ceiling lies because he's supposed to be a world beater right but we are one and a half seasons into his united career and we have not seen too much out of him yeah i think what sancho needs at the moment is a lot of aggression he lacks you know aggression on the ball especially uh, a lot of united fans and uh, you know commentators or experts talk about how he needs to be with two three other players and then he makes stuff happen right through give and goes kind of stuff but as a winger you need to bring that element of directness into your game you if you are a good dribbler you need to you know execute one on ones attempt one on ones and win a good portion of them we saw the difference a direct runner can make uh, you know in a front line when diaz replaced mane for liverpool last season i think the change uh, against chelsea was was both a result of how ineffective he was as well as uh, united having to beef up Uh, you know the midfield a bit uh, with with the change that Potter made, which we talked about. So I don't think his pecking order really changes. However, once Martial is back, I think he's definitely a number two behind either Rash on the left wing and Anthony on the right. So he's already number two in the pecking order on either of the wing positions. It's up to him now to bring that aggression and directness into his game. Yeah, there was one moment I think where Sancho got the ball um, on the left side and in a perfect left winger position. where um, i think he was played in behind the defense and at that point of time typically a confident a confident player even though he's an inside forward would have put in a left left footed cross into the box and he cut in and uh, the entire chance kind of dropped there is a different thing perhaps that they don't have the runners inside the box that like say a ronaldo or a, um, or cavani who who would have got to the near post but and that lack of aggression i think also i would say lack of confidence perhaps that uh, sancho is not uh, like he's not taking certain decisions and he's uh, taking a little bit extra time on the ball that's costing him i still 
believe that uh, i mean maybe the right is the right right sided of of that three is the position he will feel most comfortable on but since we last spoke uh, i think i've been su- like super impressed with uh, anthony on the right like i thought he was like a moments kind of guy uh, but really impressed with his dribbling but also his running uh, off the ball so yeah i don't think sancho is going to get a yeah uh, you know before we move on from united i uh, Uh, have to include a word on Casemiro as well. Uh, he has uh, pleasantly surprised me with what he can do on the ball. Uh, his passing at Real Madrid probably for a lot of Premier League watchers was underrated, and of course with Cruz and Modric beside him, probably he wasn't using uh, all the skills that he has on the ball. But the way he gives simple forward passes and gelling with Eriksen and Bruno, and the way he can give crossfield passes, the way he makes late runs in, into the box. and also in attacking set pieces uh, we have got a real uh, midfield package on our hands and i am really grateful for that upward and onwards as far as manchester united are concerned and now firmly in the conversation for the top 4 battle uh, moving to the other end of the table we had leicester dead and buried since ages ago and brendan rogers was definitely going to get sacked in fact a couple of people already posted on the group saying oh he's he's already gone there is unconfirmed reports coming out that he's been sacked etc etc but uh, he seems to be pulling it back from the brink i think rk you had the stat where um, they've not conceded a goal in the last 3 games and they've got 7 points out of 9 so and that has meant that they've come out of the relegation zone and uh, given the fact that it's so close between all those teams around there whether it be villa who are now with emery and uh, forest with new contract bound steve cooper yeah just one thing on leicester uh, uh, like we were talking about how they have not considered in the last 3 games in those games they had an xg against of almost 4 goals uh in the last 5 games they have scored 11 times but their xg4 is uh, 4.8 I think in some of the previous games they may have suffered from some bad luck because their underlying performances were improving uh but I think now it's the other side of the coin so I'm not very convinced about Leicester's revival for me it's still wait and watch but definitely uh good signs that they are uh, you know getting the points yeah I think Radha and me were both going to say something similar that uh of course they rather are state of the facts but uh, like from watching Leicester they still look extremely frail at the back um, and especially extremely very frail when they have to defend a corner or a free kick uh, they don't look very confident but of course uh, a win is a win three points is three points and they'll keep picking that up and hopefully that will build uh, at least get rid of the confidence issues if not the coaching issues i was actually also thinking that if brendan rogers survives this right and takes lester say to whatever 14 15th whatever you know they survive they stay in the premier league i think he'll have to thank arteta for that because i think all managers who go through a rough spell but don't get sacked and find a way to recover have to both have to thank either hasan hotel or arteta for this because um, uh, those are the flag bearers of you know the showing patience to a manager and then them recovering in quotes in hasan hotel's case at least i think this is a really clear case of hasan hotel uh, 
so Leicester is uh, I think the last time we spoke about this swag you mentioned something similar after the Nottingham Forest game where I was still not convinced I remain unconvinced I think the the nature of this game I think is a perfect reason as to why everybody should still be a little doubtful about Leicester is that they got outperformed on XG by Wolves they conceded 1.8 on XG and didn't concede a goal and they only created one on XG and scored four goals including that strike from Telemans which it's not just a once in a season strike it's a once in a career kind of strike that you would see just one of the most outstanding strikes of football and then uh, Madison had another superb scorcher as well um, to score I think the third or the fourth goal so yeah overall Leicester are just uh, toying with the stats but uh, yeah at least they're getting the points and that'll that'll help Brendan this is Coming back to the point that I've made about Hassan Huddle and Arteta, right? I think it was really good that you came up with the term Hassan Huddling because if you had made a similar word for Arteta, it wouldn't have sounded good in Hindi. RK with a zinger there. I'm not sure, Swag. Would we need to? Would we need to bleep? Would we need to bleep this out? <laughs> I don't know. We, we probably have to bleep the entire line out. <laughs> Ah, wow. I think I think we can't top that. I think <laughs> that should bring an end to part one. And uh, when we come back for part two, we'll talk about some of the teams that are uh, in the hunt for top four. But before that, another of those surprise quizzes. Oh, damn. Welcome back and in part 2 we are starting off with the much revered and much feared uh, quiz and this time around the theme is, I don't know boys if you've been counting, this is the 13th episode that we've, we've recorded and so now we I have 5 who am I questions for you for footballers wearing jersey number 13. So all of them have 5 clues, the same principle applies, just shout it out. And still waiting on those buzzers. Sponsors, come on. Come in. Okay. So, for the first guy, the first clue. I wore the number 13 for all but one club. This guy wore this jersey for uh, the number 13 for all but one of his clubs. I'm going to... The second clue... Venture. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'll just hear the second clue and then I guess... Okay. <laughs> the second clue, when I got this jersey at a new club, this pissed off the previous holder Ballack. of that jersey. Michael Ballack. Yep. Correct. And the guy who got pissed off was? Gallison. I think that ended up on with him leaving, right? Correct. Exactly. So, the jersey numbers can play a big role. Right. So, the second guy, the first clue... I started off in the youth ranks of Lazio as a striker. Okay. The second clue. I was the Lazio captain when we won the Scudetto in 2000. I won two Champions League titles for Milan. Nesta. Exactly. Alessandro Nesta. Right. So, interesting point about uh, Alessandro Nesta. The next clue was going to be that when he moved from Lazio to Milan, he still had so much backlog of salary due that they had to give him some shares in the ownership. So, I guess something like this might be about to happen in New Camp as well, maybe. 
I hope one of the clues about Nesta was that he played for Chennai. That was the last one actually. That was the last one. That was clue number five. I ended my career at Chennai in FC. So, so this this quiz is already noted in favor of the Chennai guys. <laughs> RK because of one question. RK continues jinxing. I mean, not just football teams, but co-participants in the quiz as well. I'm already I'm already thinking of all the thirteens that I know now. <laughs> Okay, this one would probably be a tough one. Uh, clue number one: I lost two World Cup finals. Okay, so definitely unlucky thirteen here. The second clue: I was Raikard's assistant at Barcelona. So this is obviously an older guy. I am a three-time Champions League winner. and i clue 4 i was nicknamed johan the second for my partnership with johan cruyff at the international level so dutch guy three champions league titles raikard's assistant at barcelona lost two world cup finals so that gives you a bit of idea about the timeline is it and van basten yeah nope Van Basten didn't lose World Cup finals. He didn't play in them. The final clue: I was the silver boot winner or the runner-up for the golden boot at the 1974 World Cup. And this is a tough one, so I'll I'll just throw in an additional one. He 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 was the midfield partnership. he he was the central midfielder for ajax and barcelona and ajax is where he won all those champions leagues okay so this is a tough one and to not delay the suffering any more this is johan niskens yeah this would have been a tough one but this was the guy who was uh, the who i could find the most unlucky number 13 out of these okay so next one the first clue i am the only player with a number 13 jersey to win an individual award at the world cup uh thomas muller no clue number 2 i was the first winner of the european golden boot like where they sum up all the goals you've scored in the league etc so the first ever winner now and why not will be just revealed shortly because clue 3 is i scored four goals in the 1966 world cup quarter final against north korea yusebio yep that is correct and he was the 65 ballon d'or winner and obviously considered one of portugal and benfica's greatest ever players and finally so what's the score right now um balak and turaga won rk i think and finally so RK you can draw level here and uh, the first clue I am a world cup winning striker Ronaldo Nope my namesake has emulated my world cup feat as well Your killer Yes that was a good one RK 
<laughs> Pull it off. I think RK did something to disconnect rather <laughs> and then answer the question. <laughs> the ultimate jinx. I mean, his jinxes work. You can't deny that anymore. Look at look at Manchester United's form. I had, I mean, I had some amazing uh, clues for Gerd Muller. I mean, the best one was I stopped playing for my country because officials' wives were allowed to join in the celebrations and players' wives were not. So that's actually why he quit playing for Germany after the '74 World Cup. Amazing, and and he continued to play at the club level for eight more years, but didn't play for the country. Okay. Anyway, that was an interesting quiz with, I mean, four out of five guesses, so pretty cool. Uh, moving back to the analysis of the weekend, um, Radha, I'll, uh, any words on what happened with uh, Liverpool? I mean, Avonai has scored more goals against you than he has appearances for you. Yeah, I mean, good for uh, Taiwo Avon uh, Lee. I, I was looking forward to how he played this season. But the last thing I would have wanted for is for him to score a winner against us. Um, coming to us, it was, uh, I mean, just all the same things. You can just repeat some of our past episodes and you'll know exactly what happened in this game. Uh, no urgency, perhaps too many changes, too many substitutes, people going off, unavailable, like is, is killing our momentum a bit. The brightest spark that we had was Darwin Nunes and uh, he missed the game. It's a little, little irritating that this keeps happening at the most inopportune times. But whatever said and done, there, there is no excuse not to beat this Nottingham Forest team. It was just a terrible... Uh, they're, they're not great at all. And on set pieces, they are... I mean, I know that Leicester are bad, but they were so bad. Um, we, we, we had more than 2 XG we should have scored. There's no excuse at all. Uh, miss the dynamism of Diaz, Jota, Nunes, who kind of get the ball to their feet and advance us. With, some, with their skill at running so we missed that maybe even an Ox or an Abikaita we missed some of their running it was all just a little bit too one dimensional um, hopefully these some of these players will be back soon and, and things get better but um, Virgil bad decision making Fabinho still a worry all the same problems um, hopefully next week is better yeah, I think Nunes was one of the few uh, bright spots in the game against uh, West Ham. Uh, I mean, Liverpool had a few bright spots in the West Ham game as opposed to the Forest game. Uh, but, the, uh, but the Nunes performance seemed like something like a coming-of-age performance, uh, uh, you know, uh, like in Liverpool colours. So, Raga, I just, uh, you know, thought that some of the finishing does, uh, that he does, he also, in a slightly similar to Rash, goes for raw power as opposed to sometimes where he can place do you also think that is something where he can still improve in terms of how he's finishing so i think he's extremely instinctive and i've what i've been noticing is that uh, i go i buy your point completely in the snapshot or volley kind of situations because i've been i've been noticing this since the first game even against man city in the community shield where he gets these absurd chances of volleys and he takes them and he ends up hitting the target through like just he just smacks the ball but he's been doing it now consistently i i don't think i've seen him maybe more than once or twice actually put the ball into the stands so yeah when he gets that chance maybe 25 30 yards from goal in a volley that I'm impressed by the fact that he's able to hit the target so often, but perhaps there is a case to be made that you, I think his entire game needs to be like, take another touch and then see what's happening in the game and then make a next decision. I, In his other kinds of finishes, I don't think he's a power hitter. Like for example, one of the goals that he scored was like a first touch side foot finish, which was just a 
pure pass. He didn't he didn't like shoot it into the goal. He passed it into the net. So I think he's purely instinctive. Depends on the situation. But some of those twenty five yarders, yes, he goes for it too early. He needs to kind of wait, look at what's around him, play people in. That decision making we saw, I think, against the city, against city as well. He's lacking that. Uh, like let's call it uh, patience and decision making but hopefully that will come with time yeah rada said um, you know hopefully next week will be better is that your way of saying next week is your week next year will be our year up always next year is our year always next week uh, may not be but let's see eternal optimists all of us here apart from the professional jinxer obviously just one word on alison as well uh, he's been also one of the few uh, you know bright spots uh, consistently he's been the one consistent player for liverpool i think uh, the other guy who's been a bit consistent is trent alexander arnold i thought in the in the closing moments of the west ham game <laughs> you know he made a few terrible mistakes uh, uh, yeah it's it's still you know a torrid period continuing for uh, Alexander Arnold. Yeah, and uh, um, I, I like I said, he needs that break. I hope to God he doesn't go to the World Cup. But now with Reece James's injury, he's probably going to travel for sure. Uh, I have to, I have to like we'll talk about it more when we get perhaps to the Newcastle game. But the most complete right back in in Gareth Southgate's uh, mind was uh, did a real Trent when he was defending Harry Kane for the goal there. Yeah, I mean, I think RK's relationship with Trent is. Quickly approaching Sunes and Pogba levels, considering he's mentioning him on every episode now. No, actually, I I uh, like Trent a lot. I am just representing DSK on the board here. <laughs> okay, and uh, with Sunes, I think we can probably move to Newcastle, who, unlike Liverpool, seem to be gathering momentum, and um, they've gotten six points from their last two games. So, yeah. well done them and uh, obviously uh, now they are uh, suddenly surprisingly in the top 4 and form team seem to be getting some cohesion with the new elements as well and this is with isaac still not playing obviously he's out injured so um, yeah looks like good times ahead yeah i've been tracking newcastle without like watching every minute of their games uh, the spurs game was the first game that i saw like a very soulful 90 minute newcastle performance i thought they were absolutely fantastic um they you know they kept spurs pegged in their defensive third they kept uh, uh, you know recycling positions switching it out you know bruno gimerish is such a fantastic player uh, on top of a excellent passing range and uh, good decision making he also runs like a madman up and down the pitch all day i thought newcastle were absolutely fantastic the game opened up more um, towards the second half of the second half but uh, man newcastle are a real force they you now made it into the top 4 and you know i was telling on the group that uh, united and chelsea should be happy that they took a point relative to liverpool but i guess they dropped two points relative to newcastle now so Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the the real standout thing about Newcastle is how quickly they have got into a system that is working efficiently and working well. Their pressing is like a well-oiled machine. There's hard work in all in all aspects of the game. There's not a single person who's uh, being carried at the moment. And all this is with the fact that they do have some really limited players in their team. So uh, uh, the the case in point for me is, for example, a guy like Joe Linton, who works his 
ass off for the team but at the end of the day i'm always going to compare this newcastle team to the city team that slowly and surely became the force that it is and when when city first started they were absolute chaos like of course their strategy was get robinho and the uh, robinho for newcastle is bruno who's clearly like a totally different kind of player but the the fact that they are already playing in a system that makes sense and you're just going to be adding parts to the system is a great place to be for them and i'm worried i'm genuinely worried because they're going to get these better players perhaps in january but definitely in the summer i think great base has been set up now they just need to kind of put the pieces in yeah the most worrisome part for me is uh, that newcastle will add players i think in january uh, in a top four race that could be really ominous one point on the trippier and alexander arnold comparisons uh, from a world cup standpoint uh, alexander arnold uh, was part of a very measly uh, or miserly liverpool defense currently trippier along with that mistake against kane uh, even barring that mistake newcastle still have the best defensive record so that's a point of comparison and i think that newcastle victory against spurs and their performance takes a bit of sheen out of united's performance against spurs because uh, you know if the top four uh, so, so because of that i don't really know if it's more about spurs or is it more about united or newcastle so i will be watching you know more signs from both these teams to see if these uh, if this performance can be replicated yeah so uh, i think what rk just mentioned about trippier and Alexander Arnold, which he brought up for the second time, we'll keep note. Is um, is that I think it's a nice way to tease one of our upcoming future episodes for our listeners, which is that we will be previewing and choosing our own England squad, both in terms of who has to go and then who has to start. So that's something to keep an eye on. Up doing the marketing there for episode number fifteen or sixteen, probably. And uh, what Newcastle are doing. Uh, in the stranger things universe the upside down right now seems to be spurs not playing well not getting any points uh, and when is conte uh, going back to uve yeah after the united spurs game uh, you know i was having a lot of fun scrolling through the athletic uh, player uh, you know fan comments on the match uh, i was a bit surprised uh, with some of the comments there because uh, we were discussing in the previous pods that despite not playing well the fans would still be happy with what has happened this season but i could sense a lot of frustration uh, uh, you know with the performances in those comments fans seem to be really scared of you know what other teams will do to them and how they might get dominated by other teams and how it's also boring uh, so that was a bit surprising i mean despite what's been happening kane has been very very consistent so ab you mentioned the england squad that bodes well for them that uh, i think in this season he's only had two blanks yeah there was never going to be a scenario where kane is not the starting striker for england he's also the captain so yeah it's good for england that he's in form because there are certain areas of the pitch where they don't look in form but more to come on that later yeah i think uh, this is becoming like um, a lose lose situation for spurs in my opinion because the way that they are setting up in some of these games is that they are too dependent on the elite accuracy and finishing ability of the likes of son and kane and one of them is not really in the highest confidence situation of his career so son had a couple of looks in this game and he missed them i think this is only going to hurt his confidence in such situations you need to keep feeding him with chances to get him back on track and they're not playing that way 
and defensively as well if you're holding back so much on attack and you're still open defensively it is not going to drive too much confidence in the squad either so i think in both ways uh, spurs are a lose lose uh, right now yeah spurs uh, you know look very bothered in playing out of the back uh, loris made mistakes on both the goals i, I thought for uh, the the newcastle game and one more point which seems to surprise me uh, a lot or which has to be noted about spurs is the way antonio conte has been so resistant to change things he waited till the 80th minute in the united game despite being utterly dominated to make a tactical or a normal switch the same against newcastle also despite being outplayed he was not changing the formation the shape bringing fresh players in uh, he uh, is attributing it to lack of options but he could still and should have done much better much before in both the games leads to fulham 3 seemed like an interesting game yeah i think that for me that was the game of the weekend it was just uh, so entertaining to watch both uh, both teams i don't think were uh, were trying to or were being very efficient at the back and that made like made for a perfect week uh, perfect game sorry I mentioned in the first few episodes of this pod that there are very few duds in the league this this time. No more of those big British boars like Hodgson, Big Sam, Pulis, and dare I say, even though he is not British, Jose. Uh, the average quality of a game in the EPL is really, really through the roof. You add add that uh, along with the fact that anybody can beat anyone in the league, and I think that's there's no doubt in my mind that this is actually the best league in the world. How how is your Metro watch going? You are bang on the money this season. <laughs> Unfortunately, for um, because I missed out in general setting up my defence and my midfield. Even though Haaland and Mitrovic are giving me a lot of points, <laughs> I'm still losing a lot of games because I still have guys like Reece James in my starting eleven who have not, who are who hasn't played in a while and who's not going to be playing for a while. So yeah, I lost my password. I'm unable to change my password for the fantasy app and. Uh, I, I, you know, I, this was one of those. This is one of those old man moments where I, what is the damn password? Like I can't remember it, and I can't edit it. I can't change it. And as far as excuses go, I lost my password is about the worst excuse I can ever recall for being shit at fantasy Premier League. I have to say. And we'll all pray for his password to come back. Only hoping that he gets that uh, after uh, his game against my team, considering Haaland and Mitrovic are still playing. So moving on, and uh, this brings us to the end of part two. In part three, we'll uh, take a look at the upcoming weekend and also round up the European leagues and Champions League qualification. in the final part uh, we're starting off with uh, a cl preview because the champions league is on tonight as well which is why we're probably recording at a slightly earlier time so that ab can enjoy watching chelsea qualify in peace ab you said uh, you were optimistic uh, of finishing top of the group i'll be holding you to your word after today's game so i think if we uh, if we win today um that's definitely uh, confirming our uh, qualification but also puts us uh, quite heavily comfortably in first place as well because we would have better head to heads against milan as well as salzburg yeah and we would have zagreb to play at home so <laughs> uh, so I, yeah if i think win is crucial today uh, 
let's see um, not very i'm feeling mildly confident like like a 1 0 i think that sort of thing can happen i don't expect us to like the stadium do you think it. we'll rotate heavily again i mean weird lineups we are having fewer and fewer options to rotate with now um we have like in certain areas of the pitch we, like for example i expect gallagher will start today pulisic will start today but there's not too much that can be rotated in other areas we have to take if you have to rotate it like aspilicueta has played three games now in a week so if we have to rotate which means that we have to either move chaloba there which is not a natural position or move loftus cheek there when we already have one midfielder lacking with kante's injury so it's i don't expect too much rotation this time i think uh, if we can try and win this we can potentially rotate for the final game at home let's see yeah it would be good to qualify uh, as the group winners and lose both games to zagreb that would be fun uh, another group that might potentially be decided today is uh, the psg juventus benfica group so benfica are playing juventus today and i think i speak firmly for the entire panel where uh, when i say that i hope benfica win rada i remember you said last week that i mean if he doesn't get sacked even now if allegri still doesn't get sacked that's absolute highest level of hasan hootling but i mean this would be quite something uh, if if this happens so the all the signs at least are that they aren't going to sack him uh, i think they're standing on some principle that they support their managers through the season and and something like that um, let's see i mean a lot of this is talk until they actually get booted out of the champions league but yeah i stand by it if this guy doesn't get booted then it's one of the i think he would top hasan hotel at his own work Talk, talking of um, another italian club napoli seem to be enjoying life at the moment top of serie a top of the champions league group qualified with uh, two games to go and uh, also beat roma over the week over the weekend and osimhen had quite a spectacular strike where he got the ball on the right side of the pitch and uh, managed to out muscle smalling i mean just as ashwin had started talking him up uh, osimhen just put paid to his uh, hopes and um, scored the winner so napoli i mean it was expected that they would struggle considering they'd lost koulibaly they'd lost uh, mertens and uh, insignia as well and just just i mean they've just taken everyone by storm apart from that in the same group rada you would be hoping to avoid a defeat obviously i mean because ajax need to win by more than one goal i think to have a better head to head against you and keep any chance of uh, any hope of progressing so that should be doable for you i believe i was very impressed with our win against ajax at anfield but then Napoli just came and destroyed Ajax in two games so that's kind of hurt my confidence a little bit uh, considering that um, we are so far behind Napoli uh, and given our recent away form i think they will probably sneak a win i still don't think that will be enough to pip us in qualification but it will make things nervous moving on uh, another group that might be decided is uh, the Inter Milan Barcelona group of death So interestingly, tomorrow Inter play Pilsen first, and if they don't drop points to Pilsen, that's it. Barcelona are, are done. And I think I heard on some pods 
yes we do listen to other pods as well uh, where i think they have a 100 million due barcelona that is uh, to be paid in the next 7 months so obviously they were hoping quite heavily banking quite heavily on champions league qualification but with that at such a high risk i don't know what that brings to the four next in terms of their financial levers and pulleys etc so we'll uh, we'll have to watch out for that that might be an interesting story that develops further there also uh, another uh, la liga club uh, i just wanted to mention they're not in the champions league uh, uh, but villarreal have just lost unai uh, emery to uh, aston villa i mean villa moved pretty quickly i mean it almost seemed as if they already had emery in mind when they told gerard that his services were no longer needed what's your take on this um, yeah i i <laughs> I think um, it was really unfortunate that the same set set of players at Villa decided to become Messi's and Ronaldo's one week uh, a little too late. Um, Steven Gerrard unfortunately got the boot on the back of that. Um, that being said, I think there's more than enough in this Villa squad um, to actually make a run in the Premier League and also in the cups. And the perfect guy to do at least the cup part of it is Unai Emery. So um I think this is this is really exciting times for uh, Aston Villa. It's one of the best managers they could have hoped to have gotten and it's a lesson I think for Wolverhampton Wanderers lot of good players there and lot of good uh, uh, talent in terms of the Portuguese talent that they've hired but I don't think they were well prepared for the scenario and clearly Villa have been. So one ups on that. Yeah, they lost a manager, then went and won four nil immediately. I think they were three nil up within thirty minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, and we call it we call that the no manager bounce. That's out with another of his uh, famous <laughs> abbreviations. <laughs> yeah, and uh, apart from that, I think RK qualification from the group stage would be confirmed for Man United. if they win tomorrow i mean uh, on on thursday yes there is a fair bit of distance between the top two teams and the rest uh, what really matters however in europa is finishing first and avoiding that extra set of fixtures uh, in february that too against as jose mourinho called it the rejects from the champions league ah so so the third place team of the champions league group plays against the second uh, side right. from the europa right. okay Okay, that should be interesting one. Looking ahead to the weekend, uh, is there any game that stands out? I mean, in terms of storylines, I guess uh, Brighton Chelsea writes itself as a story. It's the Potter Derby. It's two teams who are unfortunately finding it tough to score. It has. It it's going to be. RK's busy day because the xg is going to be something like 14 and 15 and the actual goal scored will be 0 and 0 so so that could be a potential uh, good one to watch out for ab uh, any hope of a win here or are you not convinced about this one um there's always hope but not a lot of expectation i think it will be another draw for chelsea uh, I, we never ever ever Somehow I find that we just don't play well against Brighton, Potter or no Potter, whichever side of the dugout he's on. I just, I don't think, uh, I'm not expecting much from that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. I mean, I'm hoping that since you expected to lose to Brentford and we managed to get a point, hopefully this not expecting much can result in three points because we desperately need them considering we drew the last two. Um, apart from this, I think uh, Liverpool-Leeds seems to be an interesting one as well because um, rather obviously Liverpool is struggling. We've talked about that quite a lot. Leeds have also not been doing well and Jesse Marsh has started to get booed by his fans. And apparently there were calls for, uh, there were chants for Bielsa. I mean, no surprises there. But tough times for uh, Marsh if he has to stabilize the team. Yeah, I think going by this game against Fulham, it was pretty open. So that way, if we get our the likes of Nunes and Thiago back, I think it should be a pretty joyous outing for some of our attacking players. So it was um, it was something to look forward to, at least uh, looking at their performance this week. That being said, they are backed against a wall, and uh, we have this season been known to kind of uh, be second to a lot of things. A uh, lot of 50-50s and stuff like that. So, perhaps not perfect either to be playing a team like this. Um, but overall, again, just like I thought against Nottingham Forest, it should be a comfortable win. Arsenal who are playing Nottingham Forest next. Arsenal have been struggling uh, over the past couple of games. Uh, they should have a loss to Leeds. Uh, they had a pretty ordinary second half against Southampton. Uh, there are signs of fatigue. Uh, in the ranks and this is the phase you know against easier opposition where they need to keep racking up the points otherwise they could get overtaken by City and you know who knows what comes next with November and Arsenal and uh, finally um, Manchester United are playing West Ham United so I mean at the start of the season we would have probably said these are two of the teams who are fighting for Europe uh, West Ham don't seem there uh, yet United, Manchester United seem significantly more comfortable. Um, RK, this should be an easy win, I think, unless there is some moment of magic from Skamaka. West Ham have always caused United some problems, especially with their physicality. Uh, there have been a few close games uh, in the recent times. Uh, I thought West Ham have been improving over the last few weeks. They have been racking up points. They post Liverpool some problems as well. Uh, which may or may not be too much to read into depending on which side of the fence you are on uh, with respect to Liverpool but I am not expecting an easy game by any means if United want to continue developing they need to uh, you know replicate the, the same performance again Wait, I didn't hear the West Ham will beat us 5-0 or something what's happened? Everything okay? More like a draw at Old Trafford maybe just putting it out there, I think uh, West Ham since in the last five games have got 10 points, which is actually two more than United. So I don't think it's that uh, straightforward a game. Also, they're, they are one of the teams in form. They're in the top four in the form table at least. Um, and I don't know uh, if you guys ca- caught the game last night, but Ben Rama was really on fire. Um, it, it looked like... Um, um, like one of those new signings from Brazil or Europe that I, had, I was actually surprised to see that it was Ben Rama who was playing that way. Uh, Skamaka is also, of course, in top form. So, yeah, it's a little little bit of a tricky game. But I wouldn't, uh, I still expect United to win, but uh, not a foregone conclusion for sure. And uh, that brings us to the end of our preview. So, just before we leave, um, if I were to ask you now that we've had 11 games roughly for each team and we've seen quite a lot of big six contenders fight against each other what's your uh, top four 
looking like now do you want any revisions to your uh, predictions for the table i think the only revision we might make is to possibly leave liverpool out i yeah i, I think i said city liverpool chelsea and uh, spurs i think is what i said yeah i will still have liverpool in my top 4 i probably have more hope than the liverpool fan here uh, but i would um, probably replace spurs with arsenal so i am i am going to keep liverpool in the top 4 the only reason for that is uh, if you look at if you look around and look at teams that have the pedigree and the experience of going on really incredible runs of 10 wins in a row 12 wins in a row i think this team does have that and that might rear its head some point in this season and that might be the difference between uh, finishing in the top 4 and not so i do i do think that we have that in us and that we will probably if we might be able to get it done i am of course worried about united especially after this week i expected them to lose one game and probably win the other but i think they were pretty decent in both games and uh, that that does make me a little bit concerned but spurs were the team that i had in third or fourth competing with us so um, they are still up for grabs I yeah i also went with the same top four as upset uh, it's fairly obvious now that arsenal are going to finish top four despite the protestations of uh, my brother arun uh, arsenal need 48 points from the uh, from the remaining 28 or so games to finish the you know uh, like the magical 75 point mark so i think arsenal for me will replace liverpool i still stand by spurs and chelsea for now as the uh, you know third and fourth place teams okay and for me i think uh, liverpool heritage i'll still say that uh, with the with the people they have and potentially after the world cup circuit breaker maybe they're back to fitness uh, i mean i don't know how long yota and diaz are out for but uh, potentially the second half of the season can see a liverpool bounce so city arsenal um, liverpool and uh, yeah the way it currently looks i mean Chelsea just about sneaking it over Spurs in Newcastle but yeah interesting times ahead and this circuit breaker of the world cup would be a very interesting crinkle in the system so we'll uh, keep an eye out for that and gazing into the crystal ball this way we bid you a fond farewell for today listener and we'll see you again next week have a good night bye